Hello and welcome back to episode 15 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. I am Aidan Muir and I'm here with my co-host Leah Heigl and today we're going to be talking about volume eating. So volume eating is the concept of eating more food for the same or less amount of calories or the way I prefer to call it, it's eating a larger volume of lower calorie foods basically. And it's a useful tool for a lot of people and I'm usually a pretty big promoter of it to be honest, but it is just like a lot of other areas of nutrition. It is something that you can take too far and you can cause a lot of issues with it. And I think 95% of the population probably would benefit from implementing more concepts from volume eating. And then like maybe a small percentage of people take it a little bit too far. So it's just talking about like the pros and cons of it. That's what we're going to go through today and how it could be beneficial for some and not beneficial for other people. Yeah, so the biggest context we tend to see volume eating within is definitely weight loss or maintaining a healthy weight. So obviously if we're eating a a high volume of low calorie foods, it means we're somewhat full um, and we're we're eating less calories. So both of those things are going to be conducive to compliance to a diet. Yeah, like in simplified terms, it's a way that you could create a calorie deficit while feeling relatively full throughout the full process. One caveat that I always add on to that these days in particular is that like, if you're in a calorie deficit for long enough, you're probably going to get hungry regardless. Like that's probably going to Hunger is inevitable. It's inevitable, exactly, um, for almost everybody. But volume eating can be a tool that you can use to mitigate some of that or most of that in some cases as well. Yeah, and I think sometimes it does come down to that very basic eat enough fruits and vegetables whilst you're dieting or in terms of just maintaining a healthy weight like comes like that's what volume eating is realistically talking about like if we're eating an adequate amount of high fiber uh low calorie foods aka mostly fruits vegetables legumes that kind of thing um we're going to feel full whilst eating low calories so very conducive to dieting um on the flip side of that i suppose you could talk about Uh, like when you're trying to gain weight. Um, So utilizing low volume, high calorie foods in order to to work against, I suppose, your appetite um, and be able to gain weight on like the flip side. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a, because I haven't looked into this too closely, but I've seen um, there's a diet called the volumetrics diet, which is basically like, my understanding is it's volume eating. And it's like making it a thing. Like I am a volume eater, for example, like it's making it a thing. But I view it as a spectrum, just how you laid it out. It's kind of like if you we're struggling to eat enough calories. You just go further up one, one end of the spectrum where you're eating more calorie-dense foods. If you're struggling to get lean without feeling hungry all the time, you just go further down the spectrum where it is more fruits, more vegetables, leaner cuts of meat, um, less added sugar, less oil in some cases, like less added fats, all of those kind of things really add up. And one of the ways to think about it is it is, it is you could call it cleaner eating or healthier eating in a lot of cases, but there is tiny bits of nuance in that where it's like, I typically think of nuts as a healthy food, mm. but like a handful of nuts is, I don't know, like 160 calories. So therefore like three handfuls, like you're getting nearer to that kind of 500 calorie mark. And it's like, that's almost a small meal there, even though it's like three handfuls spread across the day. It's not a lot of food really. It's not that filling. So it's like, there is like caveats in there where it's like, okay, some really healthy foods can be high calorie and don't really fit into the volume eating approach. So it's not that clear cut where it's like healthy versus unhealthy, so to speak, but it is, it is a useful way of thinking about it. So I don't think a lot of people can really overdo the volume eating situation. So for the most part, we know that fruit and veg intake amongst the general population is not great. Um, so the idea of someone taking it to the extreme of having 
15 serves of veg a day and um, cauliflower instead of rice for every meal and, and doing all those things is, is unlikely, but it does happen. Um, so I find that gastrointestinal distress is the first thing that will pop up when someone is overdoing the volume eating. Um, so if you're thinking of I'm getting a ton of food volume in, it's all really high fiber, um, you're probably going to have some gut issues at a particular point uh, once you get to a certain fiber and take in a certain volume of food. And that is to be expected. Have you ever had any clients who you would say take it too far? Have you worked with anyone in that kind of position? I actually have. Yeah. Um, so I have had clients where they have really struggled to bring down their vegetable intake. So they were having this gastrointestinal distress but they were volume eating for so long that they really struggled to move away from it. Yeah. I mean, it it did for, for these particular people fall into the spectrum of disordered eating because yeah. they've taken it way too far. And I think for those people that do take volume eating way too far, I usually see it in people with disordered eating patterns or and or in people that are doing like bikini or bodybuilding comp preps as the main people I would see take volume eating to an extent where it's causing them issues. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm similar. Like I've seen a few people, not a lot, but I've seen a few people do that. Like talking like over a kilo of vegetables per day and stuff like that, or even over a kilo in some meals and stuff like that as a tool to manage their appetite. And it becomes even more interesting in relation to maybe you can implement more ends of the spectrum when you're in a calorie deficit and getting leaner and stuff like that. But w- when it's at the point that you're, you're maintaining your weight, and you're doing those things still, that's when it becomes quite questionable. And something that I also think about is that people who are professional eaters, who do eating competitions, trying to eat as much as they can, one of the ways they often train is eating massive amounts of salad or vegetables or whatever because it's low calorie. They can use it to stretch their stomach, so to speak, allow them to eat more food, and they can eat a ton of food without eating too many calories. That allows them to then when they want to unleash, like they can eat a lot of food. And that has always made me question being like, if you need a kilo of vegetables in a meal to feel that level of fullness that you're chasing, what happens when you have meals that don't have that? What happens when you just eat out with friends or what happens when you cook at home and have meals that aren't like that? Do you now need large volumes of food to kind of meet that criteria? And I feel like that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you go back to somewhat of a a regular diet where you're not subbing out, because I guess what I see is like, okay, rice becomes cauliflower rice and oats become zucchini oats. And, you know, they make all these substitutions to reduce their calorie intake um, and to lose weight. So they've never really dealt with reducing that hunger or that appetite because I think part of dieting is going to be reduction in that stomach size and appetite so you can maintain that weight loss long term Um, so if you've never dealt with the fact that appetite is big you have to stay eating all of these high volume foods long term in order to maintain that and that's not going to be useful most of the time yeah exactly and even going on with some of that stuff as well um And as we kind of mentioned before, hunger tends to increase throughout a diet kind of regardless. And something that, once again, I've really changed my views on a little bit over the the years is how I think about appetite and how I think about strategies that we use to manipulate our appetite. Something that I noticed just in practice is um, a lot of appetite curbing strategies only seem to work to a point. And what, what I'm getting at is like, we know things like 
caffeine suppresses appetite. We know that diet soft drink can be a tool to kind of suppress appetite. Like if you're really hungry and you have a Pepsi Max, like some people actually like hits the spot a little bit and seems to help. Um, and there was a study that I read on nicotine gum, which really kind of sealed the deal for my understanding. Because what I was getting at is like, I'd see a lot of clients who'd have like eight coffees per day, but would still weigh a lot as in they were eating a lot of calories and like I was always curious I'm like how, how does that happen or like I had a client who'd have like 10 Pepsi Maxes a day and I'm like how's he eating that much food like I was always just wondering how that happens and this study that I saw over the last couple of years that I really thought about since then is it was on nicotine gum and it was basically showing that you have nicotine gum and for the first month your body weight actually drops if you're having it regularly because it suppresses your appetite yeah right but at the six month mark everyone's back at the baseline and it's almost like ever since then I've been trying to pay attention, it seems to make sense to me now that it seems like your appetite returns to a baseline based on whatever tools you're using. As in, if you use an appetite suppressing tool, this doesn't apply to all medications and stuff like that. I should be more clear. It is just like non-medical tools. But like if you use an appetite suppressing kind of tool like that and that leads to a calorie deficit, we know that a calorie deficit leads to increased hunger over time eventually. Like our hunger hormones adjust based on how many calories we come, have coming in. It's almost like, I hate using this terminology, but it's like you can trick your body <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah. But then when it realizes, hey, this is my level of appetite and that's constantly leading me to a calorie deficit and I don't want to be in a calorie deficit all the time, I'll increase hunger hormones related to that. That appetite suppressant tool is now part of your new baseline that your body's adjusting its hunger based on. Um, that's pretty theoretical and that's how I think about it. But that's also the explanation as to why you can't just volume eat your ways of being like, um, and it only works for so long. And that also ties into a lot of my other thoughts of being like, if you are striving for a deficit, it makes sense to be efficient with it. It makes sense to not try and be in a deficit for long, 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 long periods of time year round. Because if you go into a deficit for a, a moderate period of time, you can use some of these tools. Like you can use... Um, call it diet soft drink, call it whatever. I don't really care what you use. You can use more volume eating hacks and stuff like that. But you also probably need phases where you're not attempting to do that and phases where you are kind of resetting things and going back to a normal kind of structured eating. Um, does that all really matter? Does that, like, is that a hard and fast rule? Not really, but that's how I'm thinking about things these days. Something else I think I have heard you talk about is the different kinds of hunger in yeah. regards to appetite so whilst volume eating does take care of like that being physically full it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be satisfied yeah. after a large meal and I think that's a really big part to this discussion because if you don't have say a, a good amount of healthy fats in that meal or you know it's not hitting a craving for you like you could still be left unsatisfied and volume eating isn't going to change that yeah and I think everyone when like when you hear that you can relate so like every, totally. everybody's like yeah, if you if you've tried dieting and like you've tried using some tools like this, you you'll know that feeling most likely. Um, another point that you made up the other day, um, whole foods, plant based, no oil. Oh yeah, that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it is basically what it sounds like. It's whole foods, plant based, no oil. It's just like exclusively plant based foods. Yeah. The addition is that you don't eat, you don't have any oil. Why is there no oil in that? It's so basically that way of eating, they really rank foods based on energy density alone. So obviously it's completely vegan. So there's no animal products or anything like that as a starting point, but they'll also differentiate between foods that are plant-based. So things that are really uh, low calorie, high volume fruits, vegetables, legumes, 
are all on the table. You can eat as much of those as you want. Um, but when it comes to things like oil or even things that are um, like higher fat, um, so like you briefly talked about before, nuts, they're all off the table. Yeah. So people on this diet, it's basically extreme volume eating. So really high fiber, low calorie foods all the time whilst trying to limit any kind of energy dense foods, even if they are nutritious. Yeah. And your calories have to come from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone has like decent calorie requirements. Like some's higher, some some have lower, but like everyone has a decent calorie requirement. It's got to come from somewhere. And like, as an example, like extra virgin olive oil, consistently linked with positive health outcomes. Based on that kind of spectrum, it's viewed as a, a food that you need to avoid. Yeah. Just because it's really calorie dense, which makes sense. Like it, it, I can understand that, but it is an interesting thing when you look at from the big picture as well. And I think just looking into that community a little bit more, it's very much a demonizing of those higher calorie foods, which is what I personally, I guess, take offense to is that I'm like, you know, cashews aren't a bad food. Like you can have those. It's just, of course, if you're trying to lose weight, it makes sense to limit them or have small portions of things like that and cook with less oil. But when you take it to such an extent where I'm like, where you're like, oh, I'm only eating low fat, low calorie foods ever yeah that's when you're taking it a bit too far yeah for sure and like that that does happen a bit and like i i the reason why i've, I've been thinking about volume eating potential negatives and stuff like that is because i've seen some people on instagram talking about it heaps um it's a guy tyson the trainer he talks about i was just thinking story. about that yeah i swear yeah. like every week he's talking about this but i think i'm just like is he in this bubble where he's just surrounded by like this really niche area of the fitness community where it's like a lot of bikini athletes and stuff like that who are coaches and like they're constantly sharing their volume eating kind of recipes and stuff like that and like every recipe involves like protein powder and like other ingredients have like minimal cal- calories pretty much. And like, yeah, yeah like I, I feel like that's it. And it's like the, the big point that he always makes is like, yeah, that's fine when someone's prepping. But like these people are doing this in the off season. They're in a calorie surplus and they're still doing yeah, this. Yeah, like the general female following that bikini athlete does not need to eat zucchini yeah. or whatever they're called, like zotes or yeah, something yeah, yeah. in the morning. Um, uh, yeah, so that can definitely yeah. be where it's not necessary. Yeah, but going back to something more positive, as, as I was saying, like I think that's a bit of a bubble. Like that's that's yeah. a bit of a, a, like, is that relevant to everybody? I'm not really sure. It is a very valid point. But like something that I see as a key takeaway that we've spoken about before, less than 6% of Australians eat enough vegetables. Yeah. That's a pretty, like, a pretty clear stat that's like, I don't think we need to worry about for most people being like, Oh, don't eat over a kilo of vegetables in a meal. Like, I, I don't think we need to be worrying too far about that when it's like, very clearly, most people aren't eating enough vegetables to start off with. If you take some of the positives from this approach, you're probably going to improve your micronutrient intake, so getting more vitamins and minerals. I always talk about eating greater than 30 different plant-based foods per week. And even though fruit might not be as low calorie as vegetable, it's probably lower calorie than other snacks or whatever that you're probably going to have. So it's, it is in this approach as well. Um, There's heaps of positives to take away from it, basically. Yeah, I agree. So I think volume eating in itself is a great tool for weight loss and maintaining a healthy weight. I think a lot of people are are very far away from the optimal amount of low-calorie plant-based foods that should be in their diet anyway. And for most people, volume eating is not taken to an extent where it has become a negative thing in their life. Um, But yeah, I think you just have to be mindful of it. That's about it. Um, So this has been episode 15 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed this discussion. We'll be back next week. 